Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Dads Do the News. My name is Isaac, and I am joined, as always, by my great friend Dave. How are you, Dave? Hey, man, we made it all the way to 12. El numero 12. I'm surprised. Frankly, I didn't think we would make it this far, but the fan support has been overwhelming, and the sponsor support is on its way, I'm sure. And so, yeah, we're going to keep rolling. So, quick review of random things you learned in eighth grade. What is a 12 sided polygon called? A 12 sided polygon? Yes. No, I mean, <laughs> what is its Greek? There's a systematic way to apply Greek names to any sided polygon. What is uh, the 12 sided called? Let's see. A dexagon would be 10 sided, right? Dexagon? Yeah. No. A Doesn't decagon dex would be. Decagon. Deca. Right. Decagon. Well, that doesn't really answer the question, though. I have no idea. It's a dodecahedron. I knew that. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd heard the word before, and I always thought it would be a great band name. Okay, so just to show you how awesome this is, let's just really quickly say what a 743-sided polygon would be called. Uh, I've got the Wikipedia article up. If you want to uh, follow along, it's a list of polygons. Well, no, wait a minute. How many sides? 743 here we go well, it would i'll be tell you a, what I'll, t I'll tell you what i would call it i'd call it a circle but go ahead okay 743 <laughs> sided polygon is technically called sorry you made me lose my spot in the chart heptacosioi that's 700 <laughs> tesseraconta uh, scrolling trace a gone <laughs> Gone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I got the last part. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so 12. we are nerds and I love nerdy things. But yeah, it's good to talk to you. And uh, should we get down to some news? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always up for some news. So my internet free work week has um, been going on now for several months. So I oh, don't good for you. Yeah, yeah. I so um I don't read the news as much as I used to, but I do read to prepare for this and I think we've got a real doozy set up for today. And I, agree. I want to start with some with the news from Archangel Russia. You ready? Do it. Okay. Go. So uh Vladimir Putin, uh the dictator of Russia, was um in uh Archangel has a Russian name, but it's this town way in northern russia anyway he was up there hanging out for some kind of arctic summit whatever that is and a reporter asked him what he thought about the allegations that russia had um meddled in american elections and what he said um was read my lips no and the no was in english so he really meant it Oh, I thought the whole read my lips part was in English. No, I don't think so. I think I think it was just, he, he was like, Russian, 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 no. There's no way. Like, in the news this morning, they said, in a rare display of his English, they would not have said that if the only word he said was no. <laughs> okay, let me see. Let me see. Okay. Uh, here's from The Guardian, which maybe, I think is a great Maybe newspaper. he said it, maybe he said it was opposite. Maybe he said, read my lips. Name. <laughs> So here, here, here's what the Guardian said. Uh, Vladimir Putin again denied Russian meddling in the U.S. election, blaming allegations that Moscow had sought to influence the vote on an internal political battle in the U.S. Read my lips, no, the pr Russian president answered when asked whether Russia had tried to influence the vote. He emphasized the denial by saying no in English. Oh, 
Okay. No, that so. does imply strongly that I don't know what that lady on NPR was saying. And and can I say your news announcer voice is very soothing. Should I do the whole thing for the rest of the the podcast in news newscaster? Okay, so can I make a confession? There's this evening NPR newscaster. Her name is Shay Stevens. <laughs> Remember, and your wife you, may listen to this podcast. If you turn on, <laughs> if you turn on the hourly news, like as as I'm getting ready for bed, as I'm brushing my teeth, a lot of nights I'll just like play the NPR hourly news. It's like four minutes long on my smartphone, and she always comes on and she starts with live from NPR News. It's Shay Stevens. And um, I'm always like, ooh, that's such a good voice. And I always love how she always starts with live from NPR News. And in my mind, I have this mental image that as soon as I click the button on the app, somebody like flips a <laughs> light up. in the studio <laughs> and they're like, Shay, someone wants the news. And she's like, live from NPR News. <laughs> yeah, every time. It's so great. No, that was, that was good. Okay, wow. so Vlad Vladimir denied interfering in the election. Sorry for the derailing there. That's fine. Um, and uh, taxes also didn't go up as George Bush said, and Nixon isn't a crook, and Clinton didn't have sex with that woman, and Harrison Ford didn't kill his wife in The Fugitive. Wait a second. Wait. Okay, Harrison Ford actually did It really depends on what your definition of is is. Is. That depends on what your definition of is is. Because at at the moment that question was asked, he was not having sex with... Monica Lewinsky. Uh, yes, that is yeah. true. So, yeah, lawyers. Anyway, so obviously, as we were talking about before the show, uh, Putin is not uh, familiar with the lexicon of American politicisms because when you say read my lips in America, that basically means I am lying. <laughs> yeah, it totally <laughs> does. <laughs> and that was my first thought when I heard this too. was like my strongest association is George H.W. Bush saying, read my lips, no new taxes. Uh, right. When was that? Was that as an acceptance speech for speech for the nomination? And no, I think it was before I watched the news. That's when I said it. That's when he said it. Yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, he was running but for anyway. president. Yeah. yeah. Um. So anyway, um, <clears throat> I I think what he means to put on my Vlad decoder. Put I I have my Vlad decoder ring that I got when he was in the KGB. Is that he didn't. Russia wasn't trying to interfere any more than usual in American elections, and they just succeeded beyond their wildest and craziest expectations. Um, and uh, and so, I mean, I don't think they really had any expectation that Donald uh, Trump would actually be elected president. It was just their normal standard, you know, spycraft, uh, uh, cloak <laughs> and dagger, give stuff to Julian Assange so he can put it on WikiLeaks, and, and oh my gosh, that madman got elected. <laughs> yeah, I think you're wrong. I think they did try harder than normal. And I think there's a, there's some assessment going around that suggests that they didn't really care whether Trump or Hillary won, but more they were trying to undermine faith in the democratic system in the United States, which seems to have been fairly successful uh, through their actions, there's we're more divided than ever. I mean, not that I don't think that that has everything to do with him. A lot of that has to do with the way the the election went down. But part of that has to do with Russia. Live from Utah County, Utah, analyst on dead do the news opines that Russia has undermined American democracy. Just wanted to throw in one more news broadcaster. Yeah. Okay. No, that's good. So that's uh, that's Putin. Let's uh, let's move on to a more upstanding and virtuous political figure well maybe overly virtuous right well that's what the the 
the the immoral soulless New York blogosphere <laughs> is saying. But what do we say? Well, let's find out what we say. So Mike Pence's marriage goes in the news. So this actually feels so typical of modern news and politics. The Washington Post ran a piece on Mike Pence's wife, the wife of the sitting vice president of the United States. I and bet he's asleep right now. He's the laying vice president of the United States. <laughs> he probably sleeps in a lazy boy. but um, Next to his wife. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, the one thing that everyone latched onto in this, um, in this profile is they happened to quote a 2002 quote from Mike Pence where he said, and let me, uh, uh, this is what it said. It says, in, uh, in 2002, Mike Pence told The Hill, which is a uh, conservative-leaning Washington paper, that he never eats alone with a woman other than his wife and that he won't attend events featuring alcohol without her by his side either. Good for that him. One, yeah, that one little paragraph, and the world has lost its mind. And uh, so here are a, here's a snapshot of some of the things people are saying. Uh, quote from some dude at Upworthy. Uh, I guess I shouldn't assume that Parker is a dude's name. Someone named Parker at Upworthy said, Pence basically says that women shouldn't be able to exist in public without a chaperone. That's absurd. Um, That's no, not anything Pence close that, to what he was saying. Pence said that he should have a chaperone. Okay. Well, There's a difference think, there. I don't think he's even saying that. I think he's saying that I took vows of faithfulness to my wife, and part of for me, part of that faithfulness means not engaging in any kind of recreational activity with some other woman, even a meal. And yeah, I mean, Isaac, I've been thinking about this all day because I read this in the news. Uh, well, not all day, all evening. Read it in the news after I got home from work, and I cannot think of a meal that I have eaten since I got married with you know, one-on-one with another woman other than my wife, other than my mom. Well, obviously you are holding women back. Okay, another (laughs) quote. Keep going. If Pence won't eat dinner alone with any woman but his wife, that means he won't hire women in key spots. What, like the seat next to him at dinner? That's a key spot? Well, I think that, now I don't know the answer to this, but I think that can be answered empirically. Like, has he hired women in key spots? Whether his willingness to eat dinner with them, I think, doesn't have to be correlated with that. But anyway. So, um, and then the last one was, sorry, I want to, this one, someone said, uh, the whole I, good Christian man, am seen alone only with the wife mother, these people. Uh, they say she's basically saying this is like not even grammatical, so it's hard to quote. But saying this is about keeping women out of public space. That's absurd. That's uh, utterly absurd. absurd. Yeah. So I read a really good article by. It's been nice to see actually in many publications people expressing sympathy for Pence as, as along with outrage in the Daily Beast, definitely a left leaning uh, online media outlet. There was a nice article about this guy basically saying like. Everybody, calm down. If this Pen- if this is how Pence wants to live his life and how he wants to monitor his marriage, let him do it. Let him do it. All right, yeah. go ahead. Your thoughts. Oh, so <clears throat> I I work with women every single day. There are women that work in my law firm. Um, there are women that are opposing counsel and cases that I deal with. Um, there are women in the courts that I correspond with on a regular basis. I mean professionally working with women is just part of modern life and I'm thrilled. I love that. But, but, and, and I eat lunch with women on a regular basis, but I don't eat lunch with a woman who is not my wife. And I, as a divorced lawyer will suggest that if you want to have a long and happy marriage, you ought not do it too. 
right? I I completely agree with that. I think that like there here's some things we should just be straightforward about. One, affairs happen. Two, this article has this line in it, power is an aphrodisiac, and it is. There's no question that people are more likely to have affairs when they are in positions of power than when they're not. And so it, I think it does behoove somebody who's in Washington, who takes his marriage vows very seriously, to be extra careful, right? Right. Um, so, you, okay, so I, when I worked at a previous job, I was assigned an executive mentor who was a woman, and one of our... Um, one of the things we did as mentor mentee was we went and got lunch once a month, just her and me. Now there was a significant age gap between us. Um, she had kids. Well, I don't know. She was probably like 20 years, my senior, something like that. Maybe 15, 15 to 20 years, my senior. And Miss Keith, um, that is not that big of an age gap, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you can make a distinction as a professional person. And, and this is not, I, I think I can, I'll say this for me. This is what I, I feel comfortable with. I think I can make a distinction with, between uh, a business lunch, for instance, and um, socializing with coworkers outside of a specific business context. Sure, if and, that makes sense. And again, yeah, it is. It is all about context. Context, and um, I, you know, maybe maybe the rules that Penn lives by, and and I think I kind of live by those same rules. Um, it's not for everybody, but I, I think that, you know, it, it's not about it, it, it. I'm assuming that for Mr. Pence, and there are a lot of things I don't like about Mr. Pence, uh, but at least in this area, I think he wants to pre- protect and preserve his marriage. And as again, an attorney who does a lot of divorce, I am all in favor of that. So the blogosphere yeah. is crazy. The, bo- the blogosphere is crazy. I think like our tendency to to boil everything down to power struggles between uh, different groups is harmful. I, I think here's just a man who's not, he, he didn't make this rule trying to keep women out. And I know many women will say, well, that's small comfort. It's going to happen anyway. And the fact is, yeah, it might a little bit. Like it's very, it's possible that someone in Pence's circle, a woman will be slightly hindered in her career because Pence has this rule. But guess what? There's a lot of freedom in people's choices and who they work for and whom they work with. And I think if a woman in Pence's staff feels like she might not be rising as quickly because Pence won't, you know, go out to dinner and have a drink with her in the evening, then she should go uh, go work somewhere somewhere else, somewhere that she feels mm. more comfortable and where her values align with uh, with the people she's working with. Maybe it's, I'm going to go out freedom, on a, baby. Yeah, I guess I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that I don't think that going out for dinner and a drink with your boss. I, I, I think most women find that creepy anyway. So, OK, um, you know what we can do, what women can do that I cannot do and that you cannot do? Walk in space. Walk in space. There's actually a really long list, but we're going to focus on that for just a moment. So, Isaac, have you ever worked on your car? Like, yes. done, like, engine work. You ever dropped a part? Yes. Yeah. So I was uh, working on my vehicle the other day, and um, I dropped a socket, and it fell all the way down through the engine, and there's a little, uh, what would you call it, like a scrape plate on the bottom, I guess? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it didn't fall through, basically. Yeah, so it's it's still there on the on the plate, that scrape plate somewhere. Do you know because... why it's there, that scrape plate? <laughs> uh, to keep things from scraping? No, it's actually there for aerodynamic purposes to improve right. the gas efficiency of your car. You're right. 
I read an article. This is a, just the smallest of segues or uh, sidetracks. Tangent. I read an article that said that in the last, I don't know, X number of years, the average fuel efficiency of cars has increased pretty dramatically. And almost all of it has been better aerodynamics. Uh-uh. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what it said. Like a huge hmm. proportion of it has been just recognizing exactly how to reduce air, the air uh, friction. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So you parts know a vehicle that has gotten way more air efficient in the last decade? The space shuttle. Mm, I was, I'm, I'm not. I'm not onto that joke, man. I was going to say the Jeep Wrangler. So much more aerodynamic. Okay. Um, so we were talking about space. Well, Final someone dropped something frontier. in space. Yes, someone dropped something, and it was a woman. Um, she is a record-breaking uh, uh, woman astronaut, um, and her name is coming right up. Peggy Whitson. Um, we're uh, so basically. Um, a docking port had been disconnected and moved somewhere else in the space station, um, and uh, they had to cover it up so it didn't get uh, hit with little micro space debris. And uh, what you, if you were going to cover up part of the space station to protect it, what would you cover it with? Um, probably titanium. A tarp? I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's what am what I pro- what am I protecting it from? Micro space junk. That's what they that's what they protect it with is a tarp, basically. Um, a big tarp. Yeah, canvas tarps are very, they're very handy. handy. Yeah, yeah, they're great. So, um, she lost one of the canvas tarps that was supposed to protect this door port gate thing, and she lost it because she let go of it and it floated off into space. So basically, I dropped a socket and it's down in my car somewhere. She dropped a uh, a tarp and it's now burning up over um, the Serengeti. <laughs> Um, and, um, so apparently this is kind of a big deal because if micro space debris hits the space station and doesn't get, uh, isn't stopped by the the tarp, then bad things happen. But luckily they pulled an Apollo 13, they sent them back inside, told them to all take their bed sheets off of their beds, go back out to the spacewalk and tie them around. No, I made that up, but wouldn't that be a great solution? <laughs> <laughs> Go get your bed sheets. <laughs> that would be great. This is um, what you get for losing the tarp. No yeah. bed sheets. <laughs> no bed sheets. Um, so they fixed it, and all is well. Um, but uh, this was supposed to be like a big record-breaking spacewalk, and it was hampered or dampered slightly by the loss of a space tarp. How so. do you drop something in space? As in, when there's not gravity, when you let go, it does not immediately fall from you right like she like let go and it would like slowly drift away was she just distracted and looking away while it slowly drifted out of her reach so i have an answer to that question too uh the first answer is the newspapers haven't been given all of the details but here at dad's do the news we'll make up the details we don't have and what's supposed to happen is every piece of equipment that you use on a spacewalk is supposed to be tied to either you or the space station at any time or tethered in nasa speak and um, I, my impression is that she thought it was tethered to the space station and it had not been tethered to the space station. And so it floated away. I see. Yeah. And the other thing is, do you realize how much that tarp cost? And like how much it cost, cost to get it into space? That's more what I mean. I yeah. mean, it might have been like a $10 tarp from Home Depot, but getting that thing into space, half a million that bucks. was an expensive thing yeah. to drop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it happens. Um, actually it does happen. Bolts get dropped with a figure with fair, fairly regular occurrences. Uh, toolboxes are dropped uh, pretty regularly. No toolboxes have been dropped once. Um, and they all eventually end up burning up over the Serengeti. So 
Yeah, dropping a like a nut or a bolt is not surprising to me because at some point you have to start handling that individual piece in those big bulky gloves. In those, yeah, so that you can put it on. But like tarps are tarps are big. Maybe it was like a really small tarp. It was like two by two inches. No, it was big. It was like (laughs) ten feet. It was folded up, but it was it's a big tarp. So, Um, and this was at the International Space Station, which the acronym is ISS, which makes me think of ISIS, which makes me think, couldn't we just put them up in space? It's, that's, there are much less expensive ways to get rid of ISIS. <laughs> they could have a space <laughs> caliphate. Um, and yeah, exactly. We have a space that can be yours and yours alone. It's called <laughs> the moon. It's Off called you the go moon. Now. Why don't you guys go up there. <laughs> <laughs> Do your thing up there. Of course, well, they'd probably blow up the moon. So, yeah. Okay, anyway, uh, so that's space, and uh, hold on to your stuff. Well, as you know, space is cold. Yes, it's also. <laughs> oh, was that your segue? I'm so sorry. That was my segue. Go ahead. <laughs> and as you know, when you get too cold, you might get a cold. And Actually, what you may, what you may not know. nothing to do with the cold. Go ahead. Well, we do tend to get more sick in the cold months. That's because of recirculated air and being all close together. Yeah. Um have you have you had a did you have a cold this winter have you when had one recently when didn't i have a cold i had like a rhinovirus or something yeah you have kids i also have kids the the month of like january months of january and february were basically non-stop colds in my house yeah. but uh but my cold was not so bad do you know why uh you took zycam or some or some other scammy vitamin c supplement because i was not lonely Ooh, so even better in in the saddest research ever to come out, we have learned that lonely people have report their cold symptoms to be 38% more severe than people who are not lonely. I totally believe oh. that. Of course, it's true, but it doesn't that just kind of tug at your heartstrings? It's like they're just so sad and lonely and have no one to watch Netflix with. <laughs> or chill with. <laughs> and then they get colds and then they're 38 percent more severe feeling that's rough rough. um so so that makes sense to me because a cold at least for me most of the time when i have a cold like if i get into something it's like oh i don't feel so bad but if i'm just like sitting and feeling lonely (laughs) (laughs) it gets worse (laughs) yeah exactly so i have to tell you about the study please because it was crazy so uh, I think, gosh, I, I'd have to open up the article again. It was at some university. I want to say San Diego State. I, I didn't, hold on, I am going to open this up and just take a quick look at it. It was San Diego. Nope, I am totally wrong. Well, at some university, uh, one I'm not sure, I, they decided to do a study on this. So how did they do it? They recruited 213 people who agreed to be intentionally infected with the cold. Really? Yes. Like they agreed yes. to it? Yes. They were paid $1,000 uh, to participate in the study. So they had to be infected by the cold, and they put them in a hotel room by themselves and quarantined them for five days. So wow. this does not measure how whether or not they were lonely during the cold, right? Mm-hmm. Because they were all alone in a hotel room for five oh. days during the cold. This measures... They after they prior to taking the uh, being intentionally infected with the cold, they took a questionnaire uh, about 
a bunch of things. It, it was hidden from the participants what it, precisely they were trying to study. But part of the questionnaire asked about their social networks and how many close friends they have and spouses and things like that. And there's like some scales that use those things to determine some semi-objective number about whether or not somebody is a lonely person or not. And they do these things by asking like... Um, Just like the Beatles used when they wrote that song about all the lonely people. <laughs> yeah. Where do they come from? Well, Where there is, do they come from? They're at a university, which is not San Diego State, doing a study on the cold. Yeah. Um, anyway, and those who are more lonely, yeah, like I said, their colds are worse. That's just so sad. They can't catch a break. I but think they can that some, catch a cold. So I have an idea for a new app, <laughs> which is instead of like a dating app, it's like a it's like a snuggle with sick people app. It's Ugh. like it's like if you're sick, you get on there and then other sick people. No, you feel like if you're all if you're all sick and you're lonely, then you can get together and like hang out and uh, and like watch TV or something. Occasionally, and, some gentleman or a lady wearing scrubs will bring you uh, Jello in a in a little plastic tub, and yeah. uh, your TV will be up about eight feet up on the wall, and it'll be an old cathode ray model, <laughs> and you'll have a bed that you can go up and down in. Wait, they oh, have this the app already, Isaac. It's called the Hospital. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and people hate I it. Tell you, well, the last <laughs> thing about this study is that they they wanted to measure whether or not. They wanted to control for whether or not their symptoms were actually worse, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way they did this was every time these people like blew their nose, they oh. did it. They saved their tissues <laughs> so that they could measure the weight of the tissues accumulated by each person in the study. And you may be shocked to learn that the lonely people, their symptoms were exactly the same as the non-lonely people. So this was all perception. Uh, as and and by symptoms I mean they produced the same tonnage of mucus from their nose <laughs> as the others in the study. <laughs> so this leads me to ask Superman. Um, the whole thing about him was that he was way more dense than humanity on Earth, right? Like that was one of his uh, things. Sure, kind of I'm not that familiar with the so specifics. When he gets a cold and blows his nose, how much does that tissue weigh? Well, it's a good thing he wasn't in the study because he could have skewed the results. The I think the more apt question is, is Superman lonely? Of course he's lonely. We all know that, especially because, like... What about well, Lois? Well, okay, so it depends on which uh, 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 comic book universe of Supermans you're dealing with, because in some of them, Lois dies. Please, and... please, it's Super's man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I, I think he is pretty lonely because he misses his mom and dad. Yeah. yeah. Well, should we should we end it out with a little dad news? Dad news. Dad news. Okay. It's not about the weight of mucus. Th- this one's pretty short. There's a North Carolina restaurant. Um, North Carolina holds a special place in my heart because I spent two years there as a missionary. But um, North Carolina restaurant has banned children under five. It is a restaurant in Mooresville, which is on the uh, western part of the state, a little north of Charlotte, uh, called. Caruso's. It's described as an upscale Italian restaurant. So is this upscale like Olive Garden upscale or upscale like, uh, what's the place where they put all the plants on the roof? Um, Macaroni Grill. Macaroni Grill. Yeah, that's that's upscale. Okay. That's upscale. Okay. No, it's, um, 
it's upscales from it's upscale from Mooresville. I don't know what that means. It could mean basically anything. <laughs> Having been in North Carolina, I can tell you that there's going to be a wide range there. But let's just take their word at it that it's upscale. Fair so enough. the owner said that there were too many crying, screaming, and misbehaving children, and some of the customers had begun to complain. So he banned children under five. And as a father of children under five, I have to say, I get that. Who is who is bringing their kids under five to an upscale restaurant? Yeah. Seriously, those parents? Seriously. Okay. okay. So I'm thinking that when they say upscale, it might not be the same as when you and I say upscale because Mooresville, Mooresville is best known as the home of many NASCAR racing teams and drivers along with an IndyCar team and its driver as well as racing technology suppliers. Uh, I'm sure they've got a nice restaurant there, Dave. (laughs) And upscale. Don't go together (laughs) like, uh, you know, peanut butter and jelly. There are some rich rich people associated with uh, NASCAR. Yeah, but they ain't eating at upscale restaurants. They're eating at barbecue pits. They're just eating better barbecue than me and you. That's fine. I'm just saying, look, I, I am somewhat sensitive to this because I have young children. And I... Well, let's bracket it a little. Let's bracket it. It really annoys me when people say kids should not be allowed on airplanes. Well, what are you going to do with your kids when you go on vacation to Russia, right? Right. Look, uh, yeah, exactly. The kids have to see the red red square. They just have to see it. They've got to see Vlad. They've got to see Vlad and read his lips. Anyway, (laughs) but you just... We have to recognize that children are a part of this world. And so when people who don't have kids or are so far removed from the time when they did have kids, that when they say things like, oh, kids on the airplane were screaming and I just was so mad. It's kind of like, you know who was more mad? Their parents who were trying to get them to shut up the whole time. Oh, my gosh. Like, it's yes. awful. So that's Ooh. that's the worst. Also, people who complain to parents like at the grocery store or something when their kids are freaking out and they're like, you need to get a better handle on your kids. This has never happened to me, but I have heard reports of such things occurring that is also totally unacceptable well, um, and it's 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 stupid i mean I, I get that different parents have different levels of like public behavior standards for their kid but no parent is like oh my kid's laying in the middle of the aisle screaming because we didn't get lucky charms this time that's okay that's right. not <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, that's you, not real <laughs> if you don't have little kids and you haven't had them recently you don't know the battle the fight and struggle is real but yeah. That said, let's, you know, let's walk down the ladder a little bit. If you're at like a family restaurant and with young kids, Deal that's with acceptable. It. Yeah, totally. That's fine. If you're at Olive Garden and there are young kids, that's you're borderline. probably going to have to live. It's borderline, but you're probably going to have to live with it because yeah, it's Olive, Olive Garden's Garden. a lower skill place. Mm-hmm. But if you are at Caruso's in Mooresville, <laughs> North Carolina, let's be clear. If you're bringing your young kids to a place as high class as that where NASCAR executives are hanging out. If it's upscale, leave them home. Leave them home. Yeah. Give me a break. It's yeah. like kids, people who bring babies to movies. Okay. <sighs> That drives me nuts. Even as a parent with very young children, I would never bring a child under the age of like three. Well, it depends on the movie. Depends on the movie. And it depends on the time of day you're watching it. Right. I took my daughters to see the uh, matinee showing of Zootopia when it was in the theaters. And Lizzie Joe loved it. And, oh, I mean, kid number one not to be named, loved it. And kid number two wandered up and down the aisles picking up popcorn off the floor and sampling it. Um, yeah. And you know what? It was Zootopia at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. What you don't want to do is take your kid to an 8 p.m. showing of Fifty Shades of Grey or something like that. You know, I mean. Or even Zootopia, frankly. Like, 
I think that if you take your kid to let's like Moana at 7 p.m., people have a reasonable expectation to not have a screaming child there. But if you yeah. walk into Moana in the middle of the afternoon, you, you should know that <laughs> children will be talking and crying nonstop through the, that movie. For the duration. <laughs> and you know what? The parents are just going to let them do it because it's a matinee Disney. So, so look, what I'm saying is we're all sharing this little, this little dot, this blue dot in space. And uh, we all got to get through this life together. And if you've got young kids, be considerate about where you take them and uh and when just use common just use common sense sure i think and if you are one of these people that doesn't have children or are annoyed by misbehaving children uh caruso's in north carolina i hear has a really nice uh <laughs> no, no children ball with spaghetti so <laughs> worth a trip you can catch a Nash- nascar while you're there yes you can have you ever been to a nascar race no no interest well they're really loud and there's Lots of people and liquor and... I went to a monster truck rally this year. Yeah, how was it? It was like it was amazing. I, I'm going to go again. It was a lot of fun. Truly, it was. So let me ask you this. Were there any little kids at that monster truck rally? Oh, tons. Tons of little kids. <laughs> but nobody could hear them screaming. Yeah, everyone had ear protection. <laughs> so what uh, Caruso's ought to do, rather than banning children, because you know that's a source of revenue, what they ought is to do is... Is bring just, in monster trucks. Uh, or pipe in uh, NASCAR engine roars at yeah. like full volume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, and on that... And on that, we come to the end of another episode of Dad Do the News. Thank you, Dave. It's been nice speaking to you. And we'll talk to you next week. Until then, I'm signing out. (laughs) Talk to you later. Bye. That'll do it for today. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by emailing podcast at dadsdothenews.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Dads Do the News, and thank you for joining us.